You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly and up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Twenty four seven. You can give them a call at 708-330-4466. and uh, they'll help you out with keeping water out of your basement. You got a little water problem? They'll fix it. You got a sump pump issue? Don't worry about it. They're there. They've got fair pricing. They give you a discount if you mention Sacks in the basement. They deal with seepage and water issues and getting the water away from your home and foundation issues. And they have been helping out Saks in the Basement listeners now for coming up on two years. We really appreciate their support. Support them uh, and and get some great work done. I'm telling you, I've looked them up before because I worry because I talk about them so much, Ed. Like, you know, are they good at what they do? Oh, man. Like, the ratings and reviews are absolutely through the roof. And our listeners are always telling us what a great job that they do. See all that they can do at FamilyDry.com. And we do not yet have... As this episode comes out, an American League Central crown, uh, because it has just not gone the way that we wanted it to go. I, I, my thought originally was, okay, we, we can clinch and probably back in on Tuesday night. Yeah. And then that doesn't happen. And then I'm like, all right, well, because of the way it's set up, I don't know if it's going to happen the day that this comes out on Wednesday. The White Sox need some help. And so saving it until later... We could be waiting a day or so here. It's inevitable, though. I mean, they're going to win, and when they do win this, celebrate it for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Because I'm telling you right now, I feel like there is, and, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I sit here, and I watch this team, and I, I see things that drive me nuts sometimes about it. I see decisions that I don't understand. I see personnel moves that I'm not exactly sure about, and that's fine. That's what fans should do. You know, you should be that into your team that you look at all those different things. But let me just read this off for you, Ed. 1901, 1906, 1917, 1919, 1959. They had to win the pennant to get into the postseason. They did it five times during that period of time. In the West Division, 83 and 93, they didn't get 94. That was stolen from them. And then Central Division titles, 2000, 2005, 2008. They get a wild card berth last year in 2020. And now they're division winners in 2021. And I just went through 120 years and it took just, it was like lightning. I'm not like the Yankees having to list all these. I would have been sitting here for at least 20 minutes. This is few and far between for White Sox fans. I think it's the beginning of a pretty big window for this team, but enjoy this because it's never guaranteed. Be excited and get excited for the postseason. Yeah. I mean, to quote the late great Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part. And he wrote that about being a White Sox fan and waiting for playoff teams. No, he didn't. He didn't do that. Okay, maybe he didn't. He probably, he probably is talking about a woman because that's what most of his songs were. But still, <laughs> you don't get to celebrate it very often. So, you know, another day or two is not going to kill us as fans. But, yeah, it is getting the anticipation of getting there. We've been waiting for a long time as the Indians faded and fell back. We've been waiting on this thing to, to clinch out. And... You know, we know they're going to do it. It, it. There's no chance the Indians are catching them. There's no chance that they're going to bottom out so badly that they lose the division. It'll happen. But in the meantime, you know, we can we can just sort of be ready. Be ready to pop a beer and 
uh, you know, either chug it or dump it over yourself or, or a little bit of both, you know, in celebration or go streaking, whatever you're going to do. By, by the time that you hear this episode, they may have clinched. It's entirely possible. <laughs> I mean, like we get people who listen right. on the first day. We get people who listen three days in to an episode. So they might have already clinched. So you're happy. So, you're excited. I'm excited. Okay, because no matter I'm excited what, for future us and for future you. Yes, for, for future you, I'm excited. and uh, or, or past you if you've listened to this days later. <laughs> now I'm completely confused. Uh, okay. When Look, will then be now? The, the, the point is that we have a division champion one way or another here, and we're on our way into the postseason. And there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about today. Uh, I'm very concerned about Carlos Rodan. I, there's so much we can get into on that here in just a moment. With him, uh, I also, though, with my concerns about the team, want to kind of flip it a little bit. And let's take a look at who's likely going to be our first round opponent and pretend that we're their fan base and look at their concerns. And I think doing that might actually illustrate that every team has problems. And so you should be excited and you should be pumped up because this team does have an awful lot of things that even the Astros don't have going for them right now heading toward the postseason. I mean, I would like for them to be winning far more games than they're losing, but maybe maybe this will be like what Guillen did in 05. Like, remember that? It, there, was a, there was a game, Contreras comes out, they win one nothing. I want to say it was over uh, over the Indians. Might not have been. It was a, it was a Friday night. They, they, things had gotten close, remember, in that, and Creedy had hit the home run uh, in the game that where they could have given up against the Indians. They yeah. could have given up the lead to the division there if they lose that game. And it was it was a huge moment. And then they never looked back after that. But there was a game on a Friday night that I came out uh, or I went out there to go see. And Contreras was on the mound. And it was the first time that Guillen had set his lineup the way that he used it in the postseason. Where all of a sudden, Jermaine Dye was up. And he was sitting like in the three spot. And he had moved Przinsky around. And he had adjusted wherever it was. And then he basically played that lineup you know, for the rest of the, the season through his clinch. I mean, he might've given guys a little bit of rest, but he wanted them to get used to hitting in that lineup so that when they got to the postseason, that that was what he wanted to do. He had done his evaluation throughout the season. And now this is what he wanted to use as his base lineup going forward. And he wanted to see them a, a lot in that base lineup. Jason Benetti put out a tweet just yesterday, Ed, where he explains that, when you have all the big White Sox starters in there, the offense is just unbeatable, but it's not happened very much with the injuries and everything else like that. It's like less than 10 times. I don't have the yeah. tweet in front of me, but it, like I, I'll see if I can find it. But he, he was trying to illustrate that this team, when it has everybody and all hands are on deck, is a really potent good team. But I just don't want them to do that for the first time game one of the ALDS. Yeah, and... and there's something to be said about that and getting the team back together and having everybody in their spots, in their positions, finding the personnel, finding the right moments uh, to, to have guys come in and finding the right matchups. I really do think that that's what bears watching more so than even the scoreboard watching because games can go funny ways. You, you they could They could drop a game to a guy that, just frankly should not be hitting them or they could drop a game because of a weird bounce or something like that. And we could gnash our teeth over it, but really what you're, you're talking about here is are they going to be gelled between now and the playoffs? Right. And are you going to see things out of individual players that you want to see get 
done. Like, do you want to see Tim Anderson looking like himself? Yeah. You want to see him where he does not appear to be suffering any ill consequences or any soreness or any issues with his legs. Uh, you want to see Yohan Mankata doing something a little bit more than hitting singles. You want to see Yasmani Grandal uh, basically doing what he's been doing at the plate, maybe a little bit more, you know, and, and picking it up. You like to see Jose Abreu get hot because he can, he can really carry the team when he gets scorching. And you want to see something that, you know, I, as I was watching the other night, uh, they mentioned, uh, you know, you want to see like Aloy Jimenez just start to hit with power to right field and, and do that instead of, uh, you know, pulling the ball all the time and rolling over on stuff. So those are the things that you can watch for. And whether or not that translates into a win, especially after they clinch, I think we can. We would all like to see the victories because that feels good, but if there's things that are going on that are positives for individual players and that as the team as a whole looks like they're, they're cohesive, that's going to be way more important. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I, I have bigger concerns, though. And, and, and I, I don't want this to be how worried I am about the White Sox because I actually want to look at some things that are really positive about the team today. But I want to get the concern out of the way. And the concern is named Carlos Rodon because like, the story seems to be, in his last start, two really strong innings, and then the wheels come off in the third inning, and he comes off, and according to the guys that are the coaches on the staff who spoke with the media, he said something was wrong. And he he wasn't able to do, he lost control. He lost the ability to make the pitches he needed to make. And then he was done. And then Rodon's like, well, it's just general soreness. You don't leave a game three innings in because you have general soreness. I, I, I'm not buying that, okay? I've been very impressed with what Carlos Rodon has done, but he's also well over the innings that he has normally pitched over the last three, four, five years. He just doesn't go this an entire season. He's always dealing with an injury. He's always had some reason why he didn't get a bunch of innings in in a year. And this is something we talked about at the beginning of the year. And now this goes back to the White Sox falling in love, Tony La Russa falling in love with the idea that Michael Kopech, because he had been dealing with injuries, we love him so much in that late inning thing. And he's, an, he's a weapon that you normally wouldn't have because most teams would have him as a starter. We're going to keep him there because everything's going so well with our five starters. But the problem is anybody with a half a brain could tell you that something was going to happen before the year ended because of the amount of innings we were putting on arms after a shortened season. And especially when it comes to a guy like Rodan, stuff he's not used to. So now 
you you have opened yourself up to the question of did you screw this up by not using the second half to make sure that Michael Kopech could be available to start ball games for you. You know, you're fortunate Reynaldo Lopez fixed his eyes and has, has become a competent pitcher, but I would have much rather gone into this, and I would have loved to have seen Kopech used more and Rodon given weeks off in the middle of the season. It's almost like they got so excited about what was going on, they just kind of forgot that they were going to have to limit his innings a little bit. And now we're at the end, and he doesn't seem to have anything left, and I'm very concerned that we've gone from a guy who we would have been having a discussion, is he the one, the two, or the three in the postseason, to can he start game four, and how many innings is he going to give you, or is it basically a glorified bullpen game? And that frightens me. Well, there's two things that that I picked up on with Rodon that I didn't like. One is it wasn't just that he lost the command or or lost some of you know the spin or something like that. He wasn't just hanging sliders. He wasn't throwing with any kind of velocity. He he lost all ability to throw pitches with any kind of zip on him, and that scares me because you can be sore and still have power behind you. Okay, guys can still be sore. And hit home runs. You know, ask Jose Abreu how his arm feels after he's been plunked 20 times this year. Right. And he still is able to get the bat around and launch balls. So, heck, Eloy Jimenez, Eloy Jimenez had his chest ripped from, from the bone and he's still able to hit home runs. It's the old adage of, are you hurt or are you injured? I mean, I do that to my kids. You know? Yeah. Like, kid falls down. Like, I had a kid in a soccer game fall down. And he like he's, he's six years old. He gets up. He's, like, holding his arm. I walked over. I'm like, you hurt or you injured? He's like, what's the difference? I was like, do you just have pain? Or does the arm not work the same way? Right. He's like, oh, no, no, it's just a little bit of pain. I'm like, all right, you can go out there. But what Rodan, as you're pointing out, what's going on with him is... He might be injured. It doesn't sound like he's just hurt. He might be injured. And that yeah. might not be something that's getting better before this season's over. Well, there's not enough time. You put him on the IL, there's not enough time for him to get back to the postseason and, and be what he was earlier in the year. The other thing that bothered me was in the post-game interview where he was confronted with the fact that Tony had said in his presser, yeah, we think there's there might be something wrong there. And, you know, he's asked about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. Fair enough. I don't, I don't care if Carlos Rodon wants to talk about how he's feeling or not. But he ends the interview uh, rather abruptly because this is the storyline is, hey, Carlos, are you hurt or are you injured to, to steal your thunder there? And he doesn't want to talk about it. And that bothers me too, because if it's really not serious, then why did he look so bad? You know, if he looked good in that third inning, but was missing some spots or had given up a couple of hits and comes out and says, I don't think I got it. Uh, You know, can I be relieved? Can I come out of the game? And he's sore and he's just not quite feeling himself, but he looked good. I would buy into the, it's probably nothing serious. The fact that he did not look like himself, he didn't even look like old Carlos Rodon. He didn't look like pre-2021 Carlos Rodon. He looked bad. And that's what has me bothered. And and you're right. You're, now you're going from, is he, you know, the first starter? Is he number two behind Lance Lynn? Uh, to, is it, you know, is he going to be able to go and are we going to have to rely on Dallas Keuchel or are we going to have to rely on, on Ronaldo Lopez? And to your point about Michael Kopech, one of the problems I have with the Michael Kopech situation is, frankly, Kopech as the late inning guy has not been great the past couple of weeks. He's given up some runs in situations where you don't want a setup. Now, 
Kimbrel too, and that's another story for another time, but it's not like Kopech has continued to dominate in that role to the point where you wouldn't sit there and go, I would rather have him stretched out in a long relief role right now or as a sixth starter, if not, you know, a fifth starter if one of these guys is down and has to be on the IL, which a couple of them happen. Carlos Rodon had 165 innings on his arm in 2016. Career high. Uh that that was his career high. This is the highest he's been since then, at 127 and two thirds. He had 69 and a third in 2017, 120 and two thirds in 18, 34 and two thirds in 19, seven and two thirds last year. And this team didn't anticipate that this could possibly happen. And that that's I think what bothers me the most. For all the accolades and for all the excitement, this this seems like a mis- like a mistake was made. That we got so excited about what he was doing and him telling you how great he was. And who knows, maybe what the White Sox front office idea was, hey, look, if he if he falls apart at the end of the season, we don't we don't own him. Who cares? We don't even know if he's going to come back and sign another deal with us. So just use him up. What are we saving him for? I, I can get that philosophy if that's what they were doing. I can buy that. I can buy that. But on the other hand, I would have probably started resting him for just a couple of weeks in there once you knew you were 10 games up. You're resting everybody else. I, I would have... I don't know. I just, it, there's a point where I felt, I felt at the beginning of the year, at some point, Michael Kopech would become the kind of guy that could come in and be that sixth starter. That's what it looked like it was going to be. In the end, all Kopech's given you is 61 innings this year. Like, it's not like he was overworked. Can you imagine if he could have gotten what, four or five spot starts in there and he was a little bit more stretched out? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But imagine if you could have, if you could have just maintained things a little bit better. And I'm not the expert on this. Look, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I'm a guy that sits in his bar, talks with his buddy about the White Sox and watches his team. But I knew at the beginning of the year that it seemed like Carlos Rodon, there's no way. Like, remember we looked at that and I'm like, there's no way this guy gets through a whole season. There's no way he gets, there's, I don't care how good he's doing right now. There's no way he gets through an entire season without having to be shut down at some point. So you have to be, treat him with kid gloves. And so we just assumed it would be Kopech. But then Tony fell in love with this guy at the, in the back end of the bullpen you were dealing with all these other injuries, so you're really not paying attention to it probably as much as we should have been. But now I look at it and I go, okay, well, we're in trouble now. I mean, we're in better shape than we were when we went up against Oakland last year because we still have viable starters, but a guy who we thought was going to be at the front end of our rotation of the postseason is now probably the fourth starter if he's even starting. And we're not going to know right away. I mean, LaRusa doesn't even sound like he's pitching again until the postseason. Like <laughs> That's the impression I got. And that's, that's really scary. There's one more home series for the White Sox. And before you go into the ballpark, when you leave the ballpark, or heck, while they're on the road, go over and watch a game at Cork and Carey at the park. The place to be, a Southside tradition. 33rd in Princeton, right on the corner. Remember, you can rent out the entire place for events. You can rent it out for a watch party. But uh, that place is hopping every time I walk in there before a game, after a game, indoor, outdoor seating, an incredible menu with award-winning burgers and great ballpark food at an amazing price. Uh, the, the service is great. Uh, the beer selection's incredible. The full bar back there. Uh, and whenever I can get over there, I always leave all kinds of socks and basement stuff. So if you walk in, ask for it. They might have some stuff behind the bar at any given time. They've been with us for years, and they are my official bar to go hang out at before and after games, and they should be yours. Check out everything they have to offer at CorkandCarryAtThePark.com and visit them 
at 33rd in Princeton. Instead of getting all upset about the White Sox and worrying about Carlos Rodon, I want to focus on the team that we are likely playing in the postseason in round one in the ALDS. We've talked a little bit about the Houston Astros, but let's take a look at the Astros as an Astros fan would. Because I think as White Sox fans, we see the warts of our team. We see the things that we like on our team, but we see the warts on our team. And we notice them. But when we look at another team, we might not know what they're most concerned about. So today I took a look at the Astros as if I were an Astros fan. And I found... Do we, do we have to have a country accent for this? No. But I found, I found four things about the Astros that would make me concerned. And three of them have to do with their pitching staff. Let me see if I can guess. Let me see if I can guess the four. All right, go ahead. Number one is Zach Granke. Exactly. He's not the same guy. He's, he's bad. He's not. He, he's, he's, he's not only bad, but he's really fallen off. I, I want to kind of yeah. go through some of the some of the Zach Reinke stats because as we get closer to a playoff series with the Houston Astros, you're going to be hearing all about uh, the matchups, and Greinke's going to get built up by the national media as being Zach Reinke, and we all know who he is. But Zach Reinke's also at the end of his career. He's 37 years old. And this year, just some some numbers that jumped out at me when I took a look at what his season looks like. His FIP, his fielding independent pitching, is just going through the roof compared to in, in previous years. He's got he's got a FIP right now of a four point six eight and an ERA that's at four eleven. He hasn't had an ERA that got near the fours. Well, in 2020, he did. He got into. He got. He had a four ERA, but he had a fifth. Yeah. He had a fifth. He had a fifth though of 2.80, which showed that he was unlucky and his defense was letting him down. Right. Yeah. And then in the years before that, he had an ERA of 2.93, 3.21, I mean, he was. He. This is the first year that the numbers say no. It isn't a mirage. He's not as good as he used to be. the The other thing that popped up when I was taking a look at his numbers is the amount of home runs he gives up over nine innings. It's doubled. He's generally a guy who gives up like, you know, less than one, one, less than one an inning or, or per yeah, nine, right? far less than one an inning. And he's at one and a half right now. Yeah. He's pretty much doubled the amount of home runs that he's giving up. And this team can hit. I mean, we're not, we're not home run mashers, but that's basically because a lot of our home run mashers were injured all year long. I think if we got these guys all year long, we'd see much bigger home run numbers as a team from the White Sox. So if you're an Astros fan and you see Greinke and the fact that Odorizzi also, I didn't even put him on this list. There's another guy that you would think could have been a postseason starter. I don't even know if they're considering him. And he's on the IL he right may not, now. He's on the IL. He may not right. make it to the postseason. So they have pitching woes right off the bat. The The next guy on the list is Framber Valdez. Now, yeah. Valdez is interesting because he's doing a great job. He's having a He's having a very, very solid season. And he's doing exactly what he did in previous seasons. Right. When he pitched about 70 innings. Framber Valdez has the same concerns that you would have for a Carlos Rodon. Here is a guy who, over his career, has this is the first time he's ever topped 70 innings. 37 innings, 70 and two-thirds, and then another year of 70 and two-thirds. He did two years in a row of 70 and two-thirds innings. That's weird. 123 so far on that arm. So there could be a breakdown on the way. And he has had a few games here recently where he has not looked as sharp. So if you're an Astros fan, as you approach the postseason, you're, you think he's a good pitcher, you believe in him, but there's a little bit of doubt when it comes to Framber Valdez. And then I'm going to throw some doubt on Lance McCullers. 
And I know a lot about Lance because Lance uh, led me to a fantasy baseball championship in which I defeated Ed. Yes, uh, in did. a three-game series, I swept him over the first two games. We're not even playing this week because I beat you so thoroughly in our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League. Lance McCullers is now suddenly a five-inning guy. Five to six innings yeah. tops. He, he's not going deep in the ball games because he's struggling. And he's basically taken on the ace role, and I don't know if he's really an ace. Well, he's not. No, but he's he's kind of taken that role on this year. Because he's kind of had to, because Granke is not an ace anymore. So when we look at our pitching staff and we look at the different holes in our pitching staff, I want you to understand that other teams getting to the end of this season are also dealing with innings issues, maybe a tired arm here or there, guys on the IL like Jake Odorizzi. Uh, you, you have you have Zach Granke, not Zach Granke anymore. In fact, Zach Granke has basically turned into like a Dallas Keuchel light. Like, think about it this way. Zach Reinke was a better pitcher than Dallas Keuchel, right? And so if he falls off by, like, let's say he becomes 40% less effective, he's better than a Dallas Keuchel who's 40% less effective. But they both seem to have dropped off really big this year, the two of those pitchers. Although, really, honestly, I would rather have Dallas Keuchel drop off because Dallas Keuchel is a guy who pitches to contact, Okay. The real problem with Zach Greinke is Zach Greinke was a power pitcher. He's a strikeout guy. He's only averaging 6.2 strikeouts per nine right now. That He's not going to be able just to suddenly become the guy that gets you to roll over to to hit ground balls and stuff. He's, he's trying to go from a strikeout guy to a contact guy. That doesn't work out so well. And McCullers, to your point about you know his fall off, yeah, you're right. He, he started to go fewer and fewer innings and... He's not getting cuffed around, but he's just not going to be able to go out and get you, if you're an Astros fan, he's not going to be able to go out in game one and throw you eight innings, you know, and and dominate a team where he's going to be able to take it and keep the bullpen fresh or keep you in the game for a very long time. And if you've got any kind of bullpen question marks as the Astros, then... Yeah, you're you're not looking real real good. I mean, I would take Lance Lynn versus Lance McCullers Jr. in game one. A hundred times out of a hundred. Yes. Hundred times out of a hundred. I love that matchup. And and I think that that's the thing. I think the White Sox pitchers are going to match up very strongly against the Astros pitcher. Here's the here's the non-pitching thing. And it's very hard to poke any holes in the Astros batting order. They're really good. Like from top to bottom, they're they're a very, very good team. But the thing is they're going to bring out a National League lineup, essentially, with an automatic out. And, and it's Martin Maldonado, their catcher. Their, their main catcher, who has caught the majority of their games, their everyday guy, Maldonado, uh, is an automatic out. He's a 60 OPS plus. He is the equivalent of a pitcher. He's hitting 176 under 176 with a 580 OPS. That's terrible. He's terrible. So whereas it, I believe it'll be very difficult to find an out in the White Sox lineup because we don't have anybody that comes close to that. We every, if we put our full lineup out there, everybody's basically sitting at around 100 for their OPS plus at worst. So they're an average major league OPS, but the majority of them are far above it. And you've got mashers, I'll be honest with you, if you look at Robert over the last month and you look at Grandal. Over, since he got back from his injury, they don't have anybody that compares to what those guys no, are doing no right one. now. So we have we we not only have a couple of guys that are really dangerous 
much more dangerous than what they can throw out there. They have some high-level guys, but we've got two guys that are probably the most dangerous hitters if you put both lineups together, but we don't have a hole in the lineup like they have a hole in the lineup. And it's something that the White Sox pitchers should be taking advantage of. It's almost as if under, you have to understand it's just like a National League game would be if you're playing interleague in a National League ballpark. Like, if you can get the Maldonado, don't let that guy beat you. Take, go right after him, sit him down, and take your almost automatic out from him. Because that's a hole that they have that can kill rallies. And again, like I said, we got them at the absolute best that they were all year long. I've said that on other shows. I backed it up with all the stats on it. I've broken it all down. That was the absolute best they were playing all year long when we went to play them four games in their own ballpark. They are a much more level team compared to us and a team that I think we can beat. Even without home field. I would like to have home field, but even without home field, I think that's a team we beat in the first round. And I think this is also a team, the White Sox said, the White Sox are a team that if they win the first round, I'm going to look at everybody that walks up to me and say they can win the World Series. Because once they show me that when you get that whole team together, that White Sox team together, where they're all in that lineup together, and they go into their first postseason uh, you know, series, and, and they win that, at that point, all of my questions have been answered. Now I know they're great. And you're going to have a hard time convincing me they're not running through the whole thing. Like, I feel like for the White Sox, it's, if you win that first series, I'm, I'm ready for the World Series. Well, and they should take, you know, to, to keep pouring on the, the Astros here and catching them at the right time. So they're also going to be short Michael Brantley, who has been battling some problems. Nah, he's uh, back. He's coming back. He's traveling with the team now. I don't care that he's traveling with the team. I will point out the fact that since August 3rd, he's got five extra base hits, two home runs, and three doubles. All right. You know, well, then travel with the team, Michael. Get him in the lineup. Keep traveling, buddy. Put him buddy. right next to Maldonado. Keep buddy. Um, you know, <laughs> you're, you're looking at some guys that are falling off on this team. They are not the Astros that won the World Series. They are aging. They are relying on guys that they don't necessarily want to rely on. And so, yeah, you can catch these guys at the right time, and the Sox are getting better at the right time, and they're getting guys back and healthy where the Astros are having guys fall off. So get past that first round and get that under your belt, and then you can focus on what happens next. And frankly, we could probably sit here and spend a show, and maybe we ought to spend a show looking at what the Tampa Bay Rays would look like as well, because, yeah, we caught them at a good time for them and, you know, struggled with, with going down to, to Tropicana and, and, and you know, playing games down there. But I think you're right, though. You know, in the overall scheme of things, there is no team right now in the American League that is rolling into the playoffs that you just sit there and go, they are bulletproof. There is no holes in that team. And meanwhile, you know, as Sox fans, I mean, us sitting here worrying about Craig Kimbrell and worrying about whether or not Dallas Keuchel's a viable guy or, you know, now worrying about Carlos Rodon and, and his viability, these aren't necessarily things that are going to prevent the Sox from getting to the World Series or winning it or winning playoff series. These are just things that, you know, they're going to have to figure out and they're going to have to overcome if they are real problems. And, you know, and we could just be along for the ride as fans. And, you know, we can sit here and go, okay, well, next year when we make the playoffs for the third year in a row, which has never happened in their history, how are we going to improve on what we did last year? Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. 
Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.